I hope that many of you men will have the experience that I've had probably over 130, 40 times in my life. It's coming to an auditorium on a Friday night at the end of camp, or maybe out by a campfire on a Friday night, and you've had the privilege to preach God's Word all week long, and you've seen God work in the lives of those teenagers. And they come in, you know, they're all excited, you know, uh, you know, hey, hey, Brother Shell, you signed my Bible. And Monday it was just like, who is this, you know, old fat white guy, you know. And uh, but God's worked in their lives. And it's been just exciting to see. And you come in on that Friday night and you just, your heart is so heavy. It's like, okay, this is my last chance to speak to them. Lord, you know, I know what they're going to face Saturday, Sunday, what they're going to face next week. And you think, oh, Lord, you got one more shot. And yet you're so excited because many of them surrendered their lives to the Lord and they do everything. There's just nothing like a Friday night at camp where God has worked. I hope some of you men will have the opportunity to experience what it is to walk in that auditorium. And you got one last chance to speak. And it really is something. Well, man, what a year we've had. And God has worked in your lives and there's been so many victories I feel like all of that compressed together in a year, for me, this is my last chance to speak to some of you that I don't know if I'll see you till glory. I have no idea when our paths will cross again, our graduates or whatever. And um, this is our last shot. And I just think, you know, Lord, what? What should it be? And I, 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 I thought, well, I had it confirmed before, but it was just really cool what passage you read tonight. Colossians chapter 2 is what he read from today, um, this morning to start chapel. And I just want to read this. Speaking of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are all risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And then Dr. Getz began to, to read, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And listen to verse 15. I just couldn't believe he read this today. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show, he made a triumph of them openly, triumphing over them in it. You know who the, and have spoiled principalities are? That's Satan and his devils. Do you know Satan is defeated? And it's done. It's over. But he wants so badly to take back that which Christ has gained this year. And I think we need to put some no trespassing signs up. And I want you to see something today. Take your Bibles and turn to our text today in Ephesians chapter number 4. The first thing you need to learn is what was already read in chapel today. That Satan is defeated. He has no right to that which Christ has bought. You are not any longer a child of the father of lies. Whatever Satan had owned of your life last August, has been taken by its rightful owner, Jesus Christ, your King, your Lord, and your Savior. And Satan has no business in your life this summer. Satan has no right and should have no place 
in your life. Now we're going to read our text in just a moment, but I've entitled this message, No Trespassing Private Property. Man, your body has been bought and your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Satan, the world, and the flesh has no right over your mind, over your life, and over your body this summer whatsoever. It should be no trespassing because it's private property, and that property is owned by Jesus Christ. Well, prepared for the message, I just was looking to get an example like of a, of a no trespassing sign, and that's what you got there. But in doing that, I found some interesting no trespassing signs. I thought, oh, these are really good. So I wanted to show you, I, I, I had a lot, but I wanted to show you, here's one I like. This home is protected by the good Lord and a gun. You might meet them both if you come in unwelcomed. I kind of like that one. All right, let's show the next one. Warning, no trespassing. Violators will be shot. Survivors will be shot again. That was pretty good. Warning, trespassers will be used for science experiments. I love that. And I like this one. No trespassing. Violators will be shot. Beaten and stabbed, survivors will be prosecuted. Do we have one more? Yeah, this is my favorite. Is there life after death? Trespass here and find out. You know what? Those are the signs we need to put around our heart, our mind, for Satan to stay out. Would you stand for the reading of our text today? Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 27. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 27. I'll read it once, we'll read it out loud. I want to make a couple comments. We'll have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Ephesians 4.27. It is coming off of the, of the verse, be angry and sin not. Let not your, the sun go down upon your wrath. So it's like, don't let that bitterness, those emotions, that unforgiveness come in. But I think there's a great broad spectrum of this verse. Ephesians 4.27. Neither give place to the devil. Would you all say that with me, everyone together? Neither give place to the devil. Would you look at the person next to you and point to them and say, neither give place to the devil. Just before we pray, let me give you a couple words here you'll need to know. The word give has the idea there of yield, offer, or deliver. Do not yield anything to Satan this summer. And you don't have to. You don't have to give them one inch of ground that Christ has gained this year in your life. Don't offer it to them. Don't be put in a spot where you're going to offer it. Don't deliver onto Satan that which Christ bought. Your mind and your heart, your will, your dreams, and your plans. I love the little word place. Neither give place. Our King James translators translated that, that word differently in a very familiar passage that you will know the word. So let me read it. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no for them in the inn. The word room in, in Luke chapter 1 is the same word for place in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. In other words, don't you give Satan a room in your heart this summer. 
Because let me tell you something, you give him a closet, he will be running the family room and the living room very shortly. You do not give him a room in your life this summer. He has no place in your life whatsoever. A worthy God has died for you. Do not give place to the devil in your life. It's time to put some no trespassing signs up. Father, I pray that today we will understand where Satan's going to try to get in, and then we'll understand how to close those doors. I pray, Father, that it'll be more than just a little piece of cardboard in our Bible this summer. I pray, Lord, that there will be no trespassing by the world, the flesh, or the devil. And Lord, Christ has had such great victories in these young people's lives. May they not give a room, a place, anything. May they not offer up anything to Satan. He's defeated. He's been spoiled. He has no right in our life. And Lord, I pray that we would have a student body with some no trespassing signs up in their heart, in their mind this summer. We pray these things in the one name that gave us freedom, in the one name who bought us, in the one name that we owe everything to, and in the one name that we're putting the no trespassing signs up for, in the name of Jesus we pray. And God's children said, amen. amen. You may be seated. I was nine years old, and my best friend was a guy named Steve Healy. And Steve and I did everything together. And I remember that one summer, man, I'm going to tell you, Steve and I, man, we learned how to take a you know, magnifying glass and burn ants. That was a huge moment in my life. Found out that gasoline explodes, and we put it on everything we could find, you know, and, and exploded those things. And we got cool little things on our bike that year. But probably the one memory of that summer when I was nine years old, I'll never forget. We had a place called, we called the Big Hill. It really wasn't that big and it wasn't much of a hill, but we called it the Big Hill. It was at the end of our, our subdivision and no one was around. It was kind of farm property and we'd take our BB guns and shoot the cows and have them chase us. And uh, we just had all kinds of fun stuff that we did growing up. And uh, they, they had these blackberries. That were, and that year there were just blackberries everywhere. So I remember mom, uh, uh, mom Healy and mom Shetler gave uh, Jimmy and Stevie uh, a couple little plastic things to, to get some uh, blackberries and we brought them back for our moms and those were really cool, but they were just a lot of blackberries. So I don't remember which mother it was, but one of them said, why don't you boys go and sell some blackberries to the neighbors? They might like some. So we did and we we're getting money and we're going like this working really good. We're liking this, you know. And two neighbors, not just one, but two, two neighbors said, you know, boys, if you had raspberries, we would give you 50 cents a quart instead of 25 cents a quart. Whoa. I mean, we're talking 50 cents as a nine-year-old boy in 19, a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, we're talking 10 packs of baseball cards, bub. We're talking like 10 Verner ginger ales. We're talking some major things, you know, raspberries. And Stevie Healy says, you know, Jimmy, Red Doran's got him in his backyard. Now, let me tell you who Red Doran is. Red Doran played for the Detroit Red Wings in the 40s. And he was an ex-hockey player. He's an older guy now. It was the 60s, you know. But Red Doran was like the coolest guy. He was a big guy, too, you know. And he had a garden in his backyard. And he grew raspberries in that backyard. 
And Stevie said, my mom says that Red Doran's got raspberries in his backyard. And I said, man, let's go get them. 50 cent a quart. So we snuck over to Red Doran's house. And there was no trespassing signs like everywhere. But we were nine-year-old boys, and we could get through any, we could get through a chain-link fence. We were so small, you know. I can't get through a gate now, but I could back then. I get through the fence. So we dug a little under and got under the pull up the fence, and when one goes other, and then the other gets in there, and we're got our little Tupperware containers. Yes, we had Tupperware back then. It came over with the Phoenicians, and we had our little Tupperware things. And so we crawl in like little army guys into Red Doran's raspberries. And we're in there and we're picking these raspberries. And this is like, oh, this is so cool. But we were in property we weren't supposed to be in. It said no trespassing, but <laughs> that doesn't matter. We're nine-year-old boys trying to be entrepreneurs. And we're trying to make some money. And we're in there stealing all these raspberries. While we do, we hear the back screen door open and close. Oh, boy. It's Red Doran. Former NHL Red Wing hockey player coming out to <laughs> slap us into the goal, man, and check us. We both lay down. We're both facing each other's face. And we're laying with our little cups of raspberries. <laughs> and we're laying looking right at each other. And we can hear him in the garden picking stuff. And we're just like, <laughs> my little shorts are getting wet. And we're just laying down. And I am so scared. In about three, four minutes, I'm looking right at Steve Healy's face, and he's looking right at me. <laughs> and Steve's eyes get really big. <laughs> and Steve looks like this. I'm going, what you looking at, Steve? You know, I don't say nothing, but I see Steve's eyes get really big, and then Steve jumps up and starts running off, and I'm going, uh-oh. And I turn around, and there is the biggest hockey player I've ever seen in my life, and he reaches down, and I start trying to get away. He grabs me. He pulls me back, and he says, boy, what are you doing in my garden? Can't you read? What did it say? Passing. Well then, buddy, you better get out. He said a few other things too, but I'm not going to tell you in chapel today. But he got us out of there. You know what? Steve Healy and Jim Shetler had no business in Red Doran's garden. And I want to tell you this. Satan has no business in your life this summer. College student, you got to put you got to put some no trespassing signs up, and you got to enforce them as well. I want to share with you today. First of all, I want to talk to you about the three ways he's going to get into you. He's going to try to get into your life this summer, and you need to know the doors. You need to know the doors that he's going to come in. Now, if you come over to my house, we have three doors. We have a thirty-five hundred square foot home, not too far from here. Most of you, but how many of you have ever been in my house? Okay, that's so cool. I just we just believe God gave us the house. We love having you guys over, but you can only come over when we ask you, okay? And we'll let you in when we say we can let you in because it's our house, okay? And we have the right to do that. And you don't have the right to come into my house anytime because it's not your house. 
And that's true with Satan as well. But there's three entrances to our house. We have a front door, we have a sliding glass door off the pool, and we have a garage door. And those are the three ways that you can get into the Shetler home, the only three ways that you can do it. I want to talk to you about the three ways Satan wants to get into your life. Number one, he wants to come to the front door of your teachers. The front door of your teachers. Now, one of the things I sure hope you've been thankful for is the teachers that you've had at West Coast. Teachers that have given you truth. Teachers that have given you their lives. I just want to tell you this right now, college students. You have the greatest faculty of any college. Yeah. Yeah, you say, well, Bruce, you're a tad biased. You're part of Yeah, well, I'm just telling you. You got the best faculty, you got the best Bible teachers, you got the best teachers anywhere in America. You ought to thank God for who's been teaching you. And by the way, you're like the best students too. I really mean that. I just love teaching every one of you guys. But I want to tell you something. The teachers you listen to this summer are going to be huge. And they're going to come through the front door because they're going to be deceptive. There will be teachers out there that you should not listen to. The other day, many of you guys know in our church, uh, Clyde. Y'all know Clyde? Clyde, I, I, I really want his suits one day. Uh, <laughs> but I take Clyde out to eat once or twice a year. We go out to lunch and we just talk. So we went up to the works and we went out to, for lunch and we were talking about a lot of things. And Clyde's got a tough background. He came from a lot of, a, a lot of tough things in his life. And I asked him a question. I had no idea where we were going. I, I just thought, yeah, this would be good to ask Clyde. Hey, Clyde, in your life, now that you've been saved, what is the greatest single advice that you would give a person? Clyde's answer was amazing. Clyde looked at me and he said this. He said, Brother Shetler, the greatest advice I would give any human being is choose your teachers wisely. Choose your teachers wisely. Now, I've asked a lot of men that question. I've asked a lot of people that question. I have to tell you something. That's a good answer, gang. Choose your teachers wisely. Because whoever's going to teach you this summer is going to influence you greatly. Satan is going to want to come through deceptive teachers. And you need to be very careful where you get your information from this summer. And who's going to, who you're going to allow to influence you. Greatest verse in the whole Bible on this is Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Many of you know it. And I would encourage you to look up these verses. I know they're on your little card there. But I would encourage, this, these, are just, these are just phenomenal verses. Proverbs 13, 20 says this. He that walketh with wise men shall be, everyone together, wise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. College student, don't stop learning this summer. Just make sure you get the right teachers. You make sure you get the right teachers on your social media. And by the way, I thought the video was excellent yesterday. You make sure that you get the right teachers on social media. You make sure that the peers that you're going to allow, that you're going to listen to, they're the right ones and they're right with God. Matter of fact, I wanted to mention a couple things. I, 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 um, I believe that you ought to start getting together a multitude of counselors. And, and I believe this. I, I'm not, I can't guarantee this, but I believe that whatever church you're going to be in, and even if you're traveling to different churches, I think God will bring people across your path that can teach you some things. You ought to look for people that have an authentic walk with Christ. People that are a real example of what you want to be in your life. People that have had real life experiences and they know the word of God and they've been tested and proven.
You need to learn from them this summer. I, I think for some of you, there's a man or there's a woman in your church that may be a little bit up in years, but they are godly. Now, I want to give you some wise advice right now. Ask that person if you can take them out to breakfast, lunch, or dinner, whatever works in your work schedule, once a week. Ask that person, and you know what? Have a list of questions ready to go. One of the things that all of us at Travel will tell you, living here is so hard to get to LAX. By the way, you're a college student here, you know that. But when you travel about 30 different times to LAX a year, it's really a hassle. But you know what? The last couple years, I'm looking at those trips have been some of the best moments of my experience here. Mark Scheidler came to me some time ago. Thomas Green and Daniel Booth all said, hey, Dr. Shetler, could, we drive, could I drive you sometime into LAX when you go? I got a list of questions. I, I remember about a year ago, Daniel Booth must have had 50 questions. And he was just like, do, 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 do. I want to ask you this, do, 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 do. Boy, this year, going with Joe Maxino or Dante or, or whoever it's been, Tyler, or whoever it's been, I got to tell you something. I have so enjoyed going with the students and them asking me questions. I'm not saying I'm anything, but I think there's wisdom in what they're doing. I think there's wisdom in that. And I'm going to tell you, there's a godly man and a godly woman that you would make their summer and they would help you unbelievably to say, hey, could we go to McDonald's for a breakfast? I'm paying, but I got a list of questions I want to ask you. There's just some things about life I want to ask you. You get the right teachers and Satan will not get through the front door. You, get the, you listen to the right teachers. Well, I'm going to tell you, Satan is going to try to come in by somebody to influence your life. There is a teacher of the devil I know that sounds kind of dramatic, but there is. There is a teacher of the devil ready to teach you. And they're going to be knocking. They may be knocking by next week. They may be knocking on your door. Let me encourage you, my friend. Get the right teachers and get them into your life. Number two, number two, the sliding glass door of temptation. Okay, another way you can get into our house is through our sliding glass door. And that's where you can see kind of everything. There is no temptation taking you this summer, but just such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape. You need to, by the way, the front door of the teachers for the devil, that's deception. The sliding glass door of temptation, that's for death. That's for separation from God. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And this is where Satan's going to try to get into your life through the sliding glass door of temptation. I want, I, want to, I want to talk to you about something really quick. There will always be a pleasure in temptation. Da -da. That's what makes it tempting, okay? There will always be a pleasure in temptation. What you have to do this summer is decide, is the gain of that pleasure worth what you're going to lose. You've got to decide, is the gain of looking at pornography and the pleasure that it will bring for a short time, is that better than what you're going to lose 
in your power with God, in your fellowship with God, in the separation that it's going to bring. There is no way anyone's going to stand up here and say that there are not sins of pleasure. Absolutely. That's what makes them tempting. But you've got to decide. If I'm going to do this, if I'm going to say this, if I am going to that place to get that immediate pleasure, is it worth, worth what I'm going to lose? I'm going to give you a really weird illustration of this, but it's incredible. Let's take for a minute, you're in ministry, and you've got to make a decision. I bring in this worldly influence, it will produce a crowd, and it will. It will. The immediate gain is lots of people, me preach to them, they get saved. So if I do this, I can get a crowd. And so that becomes temptation. I do this. I put this in my ministry. I dress this way. I put this in it. I can get a lot of people come. I can preach to a lot of people. Tempting. What do you lose? You hear me. You lose disciples. Because I'm telling you, we have developed such a juvenile believer in America. So in our gain to get people in our church... We have lost commitment and discipleship. Has that been worth it? Because I'm going to tell you, this summer you're going, to be dealt, you're going to be dealt with different areas of temptation. It'll be pornography. Boy, if I look at that, man, I can please my flesh for about 90 seconds. This is a good thing. But I live with guilt the rest of the day. I lose the power of God in my life. Is it worth it? You've got to decide at the sliding glass door of temptation. You've got to put the gain with the law, or otherwise you're going to let Satan in. You're going to let Satan in. Number three, the garage door of trial. The garage door of trial. Nobody wants trial to come in their life. We don't want people coming through our garage door, but you can. That's an entrance in. Now, I'll tell you what the purpose of Satan here is discouragement. It has amazed me what we hear from this chapel of what you students are going through in deaths, in different situations. And the more I talk to a college student, the more I go like, wow, these students are going through a lot of trials. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 7, what a great verse. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Guys, I got to tell you something. This summer, Satan is going to try to come through the garage door of a trial and try to get you discouraged about something. And, and you've got to decide some things about that door. Why is it here? You've got to ask the purpose. Lord, why am I going through this trial? And there's only three choices, so it's not that big a deal here, okay? Number one, sin. The reason why you're going through that trial is you got sin in your life. you got to get something out of your life, and God's chastening you. Number two, service. Man, people go through trials to serve the Lord. And uh, Philippians chapter 1, he even gives it as a gift. Uh, Philippians 1.27, given suffering as a gift. And then the third is for strength. We go through the trial to, to break down the muscle to make it stronger later on. The only three reasons why anyone ever goes through a trial, it's either sin in your life, service to the Lord, or strength. You have got to determine the purpose of your trial. Number two, you've got to determine your attitude then. You've got to determine your attitude. Number three, you've got to go for the reward of what that trial will bring. And number, three, and number four, 
Minister to others while you're going through the trial and you will keep Satan out of your life. No trespassing. There's three ways that he's going to try to get into your life. Through false teachers, the front door, through sliding glass door of temptation and garage door of trials. Now, well, Brother Shetler, how do you keep them out? Well, let me give it to you really quickly. Number one, by honesty. Now, if you have a Bible, and I sure hope you bring that to chapel. If you have a Bible, take it and turn to Psalm 15. Psalm number 15, and I want to share something with you today. I um, teach a master's class, and it's entitled Spiritual Formation. And every week they have a project, the, 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 the theme verse for our, um, as you're turning to Psalm 15, the theme verse for our master's class is exercise thyself unto godliness. In other words, there's things that you got to do. There's things that you got to exercise yourself into spiritual formation. Every week I give them an exercise so that they can develop their spiritual formation. Let me read to you from my syllabus week number three, because college students, this is going to help you more than anything that you hear today in this message. Honesty. How do you keep Satan out? He is the father of lies. There is always lies and deception. Well, Brother Scheller, how do you stay honest? Here's how you do it. By the way, if you're looking at Psalm 15, look at that verse 1 and 2. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly. Help me out here in just a moment. Get ready. He that walketh uprightly and walketh righteously and... Everyone together, the last phrase, everyone together, speaketh the truth in his heart. Ooh, how do you abide with God? How do you dwell with the Lord? How do you stay right with God? He that speaketh truth in his heart. College students, you have got to learn how to do this. You have got to learn how to speak truth in your own heart because you, you're not going to always have Brother England around. You're not going to always have Dr. Getch in chapel. You're not going to always have it. So you've got to learn how to speak truth in your heart. Okay, Brother Scheller, I'm ready. Listen to week three's assignment. Week three, spiritual formation class. Spiritual evaluation questionnaire, 100 points. Develop a spiritual evaluation questionnaire formulating questions devised to discern where you are spiritually and pinpoint areas of weakness in your walk with Christ. Include five questions, no answers, list questions only, for each of the following four areas of evaluation. So five questions in each one of these areas. Sexual purity, thought life. Number two, fulfilling servant and leadership responsibilities. Number three, resemblance of Christ-likeness. Number four, stewardship of talents and gifts. Okay, so here was the assignment for the master students. They were to put together a questionnaire that would evaluate them spiritually in four areas. And they were to ask themselves questions. I've talked to some of the master students. I haven't talked to many, but I've talked to a few. I say, hey, what was your favorite project? My wife's taking the class right now. So that was interesting. That's been interesting. She's doing really well. <laughs> you know, okay, anyways, we won't go there. But anyways, so... I've asked some questions about what they've enjoyed. And they said, you know what? The spiritual evaluation questionnaire has been really good because it's going to pinpoint where you're failing. How do you get truth? In, how do you speak truth to yourself? You ask questions. You ask questions and then you're honest with your answers. How was the thought life this week? Can I encourage you? You're not gonna, I know you're not going to end up writing 20 questions down. But could I encourage you to write four 
evaluation questions on your spiritual life. Guys, do we want Satan to stay away? Then you've got to be honest in your heart. Rebellion is nothing else but believing a lie. You will be a rebellious person and you will not be holding Satan back if you are not taking the truth every day in every way without delay. You've got to be honest. Number two, humility. Humility. Now, humility is, is in James chapter 4. This is going to be the key for the summer to keeping Satan out of your life because you need God's grace. And the way that you get God's grace is by being humble. I think probably the greatest passage on revival is that passage in James 4. Um, submitting yourself, oh, oh, oh but, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now here's what you got to do to keep Satan out of your life. No trespassing. You got to stay humble. You have to have a dependence in your life. I, I, I need two people right now. Would Austin and Anna come on up here for a minute? Austin and Anna. I need you guys for just a moment. Where's Austin and Anna? Where's your girl, Austin? You got to be kidding me. She's, I need a couple. I need a couple. We got a couple. And where's Andrew and Kaylee? Kaylee. Come on. Come on, Callie. Come on, Callie. Come on, Andrew. Come on up here. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Okay, so we got to stay humble, all right? There's got to be a humility to get God's grace. Come on up here, gang. I think you can handle this, Andrew, okay? I got a jar of pickles. Hey, have you ever been in a pickle before? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Callie, let's just say for a moment, you're living together, okay? And it's, you know, it's happened and you're married and, and you're in the kitchen and you got your little pickle jar, okay? And you can't open it. Try to open it, but don't, don't, don't. Okay, that's good. <laughs> and you go, please, oh, I can't open the pickle jar. Go ahead. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. You're thinking, you're in the kitchen yet. You haven't figured out an answer yet. Oh, I can't open the pickle jar. I can't open the pickle jar. So what do you think? I know someone who could help me. I know someone who could help me. Andrew! Andrew! And Andrew comes, and what do you say to Andrew? Can you please open your pickle jar for me? I'll try. Callie, what do you feel right now? Thank you. Thank you. Now, this is great, but this is more important. Andrew, please help me here. What do you feel right now? Um, great. Why? Because I met her need. Yeah, and you did it with what? Sweaty hands. You, sweaty, you did it with your strength. Give her the pickles, will you? Give her the pickles. Now, hold on, now, hold on. Now, listen to me. Callie's dependent. I need somebody strong to open up the pickle jar for me. I need somebody with strength. I'm not able to do it. Humility, dependence. Andrew. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Give me the pickle jar. Me open the pickle jar. Me man. Here you go, woman. Don't forget it. And I got pickle all over me too. Okay. Praise the Lord for you, buddy. 
Now listen to me. Guys, you guys got to get this. At what time you are weak, he is strong. Now listen to me. Because you can't hold Satan back from not coming in unless you're humble. And if you live in humility, there will be a grace that is given. You guys can go to bed. You guys can go sit. No, no, they're yours. They're, they're definitely yours. <laughs> you will get a grace from God. And by the way, God wants to give you grace. The only reason why he's not giving you grace, he's resisting you because you're full of pride. There's a pastor visiting with us. I don't know if he's here today. Is Pastor Wendell with us today in chapel? I don't know if he is or not. I don't know. I prayed with him earlier this morning. I'm not sure he's here. That's okay. I want to tell you that I'm glad he's not here. Pastor Wendell wears humility as good as any pastor I've ever met in my life. And there is something about his ministry and his church. There is just a grace on Valley Forge. And if you're part of that church or ever been there, you go like, what is going on here? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's the humility that brings the grace of God. College students, you guys need his grace this summer. The way that you get his grace is by humility and that you are dependent upon him because you can't keep Satan out of your life, but God's grace can get you to keep him out of your life. And to get that grace is humility. And then finally, and we're done, and I gotta give this point because it's just too good, and that's heredity. Heredity, and you're going, Brother Sheldon, where are you going with this? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 3, and for the rest of the chapter, we find out what we are in Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you how to keep Satan out of your life, knowing who you are. I wrote a statement down. Listen to this. Identity from heredity will produce maturity. Identity from heredity will produce maturity. Brother Sir, what in the world is heredity? Okay, listen to this. Heredity is the passing on of physical or mental characteristics genetically from one generation to another. What is heredity? Passing on characteristics from one generation to the next. We should take on the characteristics of our Father. And our Father is God. So there should be an identity in our life. The other day, I had one of the funniest moments of, the, of my semester. So I'm, I'm in my introduction to biblical counseling class, which is my third hour class, so I've already been teaching. And I finished class, I'm coming over to chapel. And one of the guys in my class comes up to me and say, Dr. Shetler, yeah. Did you go to class today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Shetler, um, I, I think you got the wrong tag on. I go, what? I look down. Oh, that's my wife. <laughs> that's Marilee. <laughs> they had the wrong tag on. Make sure you wear the right tag this summer. Make sure you're identified with the right person this summer. And my friend, your identity is in Jesus Christ. Your identity is Christ. And the more that you find yourself in Christ, the less Satan will be able to get into your house. Heredity, identity from heredity will produce maturity. I want to show you two pictures as we close. Um, there is a place along the central coast 
that is absolutely gorgeous. It is called Smuggler's Cove. Can we, can we see that picture there? I'm hoping that's coming up. There, it's called Smuggler's Cove. It's, on, it's right off the Highway 1. It's uh, north of San Simeon where Hearst Castle is, where the elephant seals are. And it's just south of a place called Ragged, Be uh, Ragged Point. Absolutely one of the most beautiful places on the continental United States is Highway 1 along the coast. And this area is gorgeous. Well, this Smuggler's Cove is absolutely the most beautiful. Show the second picture. It is the most beautiful beach. Well, years ago when we were in Santa Maria, we saw this coming back from Ragged Point and we go like, how do you get there? So we found a little pull-off right about where we thought the, the middle of the cove would be. And sure enough, there was a fence and there was a little, little opening in the fence and there was all over the fence, what, everyone? You got it, man. No trespassing signs. But you hear me. Because this, there you go, Satan in chapel. Come on now, do it now. Oh yeah, he's going to listen to that? He wants to get to Smuggler's Cove. He wants to get to your heart. I, I put this up on, what, what's today? May what? Third. May, May 3rd. I put up no trespassing, so that should take care of you now. Oh, yeah. As much as it took care of me at Smuggler's Cove. There were signs all over that fence. No trespassing, no trespassing. Private property. We're going, we're fighting that cove. Well, I got to tell you, man, me and my boys. Marilee was a little reluctant, but she came down later. We found the spot. Oh, it was, it's just a beautiful beach. It is, it is, by the way, we found out they take uh, commercials here all the time. Uh, there's been movies done uh, down at the Smuggler's Cove Play. It is absolutely a gorgeous place. But there's no trespassing everywhere. Well, that was our spot to go all the time. You know, it's like, hey, let's go on up to Smuggler's Cove and spend the day up there, you know, and just go through the no, no trespassing. There's a trail that goes all the way down. We didn't go for about a year and a half. I went back. And this time, everything had overgrown. And these bushes were kind of weird. But all this stuff had overgrown. About three days later, I found what it was overgrown with. Poison oak. That poison oak, I found out I am highly allergic to it. I had to take a shot. I was almost in shock. It, was, it affected my whole body. And you know what? There was no more going to Smuggler's Cove because what has grown up was poison oak. Now, let me tell you something. You say, Brother where are you going with this? Here's the deal. If you develop your identity in Jesus Christ, look at this verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now listen, identity from heredity will produce maturity. If you find yourself in Jesus Christ, Satan is not going to be able to get to Smuggler's Cove. Because you will have grown, not poison ivy, you will have grown the likeness of, of Christ. And let me tell you what the likeness of Christ is to Satan. Poison oak. It is the kryptonite of Satan. Satan cannot get to a life that finds its identity in Christ. The more you find yourself in your walk and talk and life 
in your Savior, Jesus Christ, he ain't going to get to Smuggler's Cove. He ain't going to want to touch you, man. He's going to resist you because of your heredity. Your identity has produced a maturity that Satan can't go through anymore. To say what Poison Oak is to Jim Shetler, Christ-likeness is to Satan. And my friend, find this summer. Be honest. Ask yourself some honest questions. You ought to write those questions down and evaluate your life. By the way, did you notice one of the areas was resemblance to Christ? Ask yourself, how you doing? Acting like Christ, being like Christ. Then a humility, because you've got to have the grace of God. And then a heredity. You've got to be found in Jesus Christ. And if you find yourself in Christ, Satan will not be able to get in. Now, I do believe this, like we do the last night of a camp. I think you got to make a decision to put up some no trespassing. We've given you practical steps to take. Would you be willing to put the signs up on your heart today? Would you, now that ain't gonna take care of it, friend. He's gonna try to come in and get the raspberries and he's gonna try to get the smuggler's cove. He's gonna try to get to your heart. But I do think you gotta put the signs up. I think there has to be a time where, you know what? By honest, humble heredity, I am going to see God work in my life. Young person, you are more of a treasure than you realize that you are. You are so important to Christ. You mean so much. And this year, God has had victory in your life. Do not surrender the ground back to Satan that Christ has so richly earned, deserved, and won by his blood. Don't give that back to Satan. Put no trespassing. This is private property, Satan. And by humility, by honesty, and by seeing who you are in Christ, say, no, he ain't coming in. This is going to be the most victorious summer of my life. No trespassing. Neither give place to the devil.